Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good Tuesday evening to you. Welcome to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. Pleasure to be with you. Pleasure to be with one of our two co-hosts. Mr. Millard has the evening off. Some family events. Mr. Edge is with us. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well, sir. How are you doing? <laughs> well, still going through a little bit of football withdrawals, but other than that, Corey, doing fine. <laughs> I know. They should have a group. They, maybe they probably do have a group, right, for guys like us toward the middle of January. That's a heck of an idea. Time. That That is a heck of an yeah. idea. You know what? We could start that. Uh, let's see. Football's anonymous, maybe? F.A.? We'll call it. Yeah, football. You know, we don't need to be in there. Like, I'll tell everybody. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're Corey and I are in therapy groups. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Man. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, it's great to be with you, my friend. Great to be with you. Let me tell you what Corey and I have lined up for you this evening. We, will, of course, will be recapping today's, we'll call it a, a bit of a sloppy type of session, give you all the reasons behind the triple digit decline in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And then we're going to move into our topic of the evening. One of my favorite shows we get to do each and every month. And that's when Corey and I, and usually Dwight, uh, get to go through the local housing data. It's a great way for you to find out, of course, how long is it taking to sell a home? What's our inventory levels? What's the median price, which is always on everybody's mind, and a ton that's and tons of more additional data. So it's a great education for everybody, once again, to find out how we're doing on a local basis. Corey, give us a little uh, little tease. Happy, sad, uh, neutral on the uh, on the data. It's pretty, I would say it's neutral, right? The more things change, the more they stay the same. It's not a bad report if you, so we'll look at a comparison year over year, and then we'll talk about December. But really, if you were in the camp of, man, if we could just hold steady through all the craziness, that'd be a pretty good year, then you're going to be happy because that's exactly what we did. (laughs) Beautiful. That's (laughs) Yeah, we needed to hear that. You know, I think craziness is a great, uh, great word, Corey, because it's kind of the way the stock market has started this year. There's been not a lot of enthusiasm. I keep using this analogy. I'm going to use it one more time tonight. They're just dipping their toes in the pool. They're not sure if they want to delve in or or dive in or or kind of stay on the, uh, you know, on the pool deck. Uh, And today was another example example of that. And so, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up and, and, you know, we uh, unfortunately uh, we had a big run up in in uh, in bond yield today. We also saw the uh, the thirty year mortgage move up, which I'll give you that data here momentarily. But uh, Corey, let, let's transition things over right to the bond market side of things tonight, because this was a, a major influence on the stock market. So uh, let me kind of lay out what happened on the bond market, and then I'll get you to chime in here. So we had a twelve basis point increase on the ten year treasury, pretty large one day move. Broke us back above the 4% mark. We finished the day at a yield of 4.07%. Now, what that meant for the mortgage market, according to Mortgage News Daily, the 30-year mortgage rose eight basis points to finish the day at 6.77%. But but essentially, here's what happened. And, and again,
again, this was one of the primary culprits to the weakness in the stock market today. So a couple of headwinds that we faced today, Corey. First one was we had uh, FOMC voting member uh, Governor Wallace, Waller, or Waller, I always want to call him Wallace, it's Waller. Uh, he indicated that the Fed could begin cutting rates this day, right, or this year. So, you know, everybody got excited about that. But then he followed up by saying, uh, guess what? We're only estimating, meaning the Fed, three cuts rather than six cuts, which, of course, as you and I have discussed many times, that is what the market is anticipating. So from six down to three. So what that immediately did is it, it changed the probability that I was so... Uh, um, if you remember on the show on Thursday, Corey, I was a little, if you read in between the lines, uh, a, a, a little, let's say, one eyebrow raised, one eyebrow lowered, skeptical on the street's probability of, of six interest rate cuts. And then the probability that the street was pushing, which was uh, last week, there was about an, you know, as of Friday, an 81% probability that we were going to get the first rate cut in March. Now, I still think there's a good possibility that's going to happen. But again, I've been a little leery and I've said this over and over again. I'm, you know, I'd be very happy with three cuts. Uh, six would make me very nervous because that's the Fed telling us there's some problems lurking in the horizon that we don't know about. Um, so I wasn't that upset when Waller said, okay, you know, expect maybe three cuts this year. But back to the probability. So again, 81% probability on Friday of a quarter percent cut in March. Corey, with, with the run-up that we saw today in that 10-year Treasury yield, that dropped and this was significant all the way from that 80 1% probability down to only a 66.9% probability. So this thing is, uh, you know, it's being, it's being whipsawed, you know, every direction that we possibly can imagine. And, um, you know, we will see what ends up happening on, on that side of it. But, you know, while we're on that subject, Corey, let's, uh, you know, fill in for Dwight on this side of it. You're, you're, you're in the pulse of it also with your clients. So again, as I said, 677 on the 10, on the 30 year mortgage, that's a, still a very comfortable number. Um, how interest rate sensitive are you hearing people are these days? I don't hear that much about it. I mean, again, interesting. we've talked about it so much over the last two years, you know, where we came from, we're obviously not going to get back there, you know, short of a catastrophe. Um, but when you look at where we were just a few months ago at 8%, everybody's kind of getting nervous. If you can settle in here at this six and a half, six and three quarters, Anything under seven, I don't hear a lot of hesitation from the buyers. The, okay. the most of the hesitation I hear is lack of inventory pricing, you know, all the, the normal stuff we've talked yeah. about. Um, so I don't know that the interest rates are holding back. And it's interesting, too, if you look at, I don't watch the data as closely as you and Dwight do, but I think there's been a, a decent uptick in refinance activity, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously some mortgage purchase activity. Mm -hmm. um, and so the... The uptick in refinances is interesting to me only because usually if you're refinancing, you may have some people that are coming down off the highs, although those highs weren't that long ago. So it would be weird to, to refinance within, you know, 60 days of getting your mortgage. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I see it more as, and I might be wrong on this, but it just people have so much built-up equity, and it is very yes. hard right. for Americans to say, hey, hey, Joe Bob, here's 500000 <laughs> It's yours. You can have it if you'll pay me six and a half percent. At some point, they're going to give in and say, "Okay, give me the five hundred grand. I'll pay six and a half percent. You know, I can afford X amount of payments over X amount of years until I run out of money. But I'm going to buy the boat, buy the stuff. I think you can only hold that back so long. Mm -hmm, I um, and I bet you'll start to see some of that. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and and and, and you know, I, I, as Dwight has reiterated, and I think all three of us agree when we're together, and that is, you know, in this you know six six uh, percent high six percent range, I think it's a very comfortable figure. Now, the way our minds work, of course, when we hit these, you know, from a stock market standpoint, when we hit the what's called a resistance level, which in the terms of of you know, if we were charting this this thirty uh, year mortgage, that resistance level would be seven percent, right? That's going to be the next mm-hmm. kind of cycle logical barrier. If we break above that, then of course, uh, I think you could start to see people going, uh, okay, I, I, I know we went below seven before I'm going to wait to refinance or buy or whatever it may be. If that holds there for a while, not that there's any indication we're going to get that high, but this market of course can move a lot. I mean, once again, 12 basis point increases in one day. So, but yeah, I think you bring up a very valid point, Corey, where human nature is, yeah, you're sitting on a, on a, on a large bank account that you're not touching and people are going, yeah, there's a lot of things I could do with that. Three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar equity if they're so fortunate, and uh, yeah, I, and remember, we can always refinance, right? <laughs> so a lot of times yeah. people will think of that one also and just get their hands on the money and see what happens. But you know, folks, there, there's still so much money sitting out there. You know, you look at the the M one and the M two money supplies. There's still trillions of dollars. I mean, depending upon whose data you look at, between three to six trillion dollars still sitting on the sidelines in money market and money market equivalents and CDs and you know, very liquid type. Of, uh, of investments, even though CDs are, you know, you got to tie up for a little bit. Um, there's still a lot of cash that is sitting out there. And that's been one of the hopes, Corey, as you and I have discussed, one of the hopes that, that Wall Street is really banking on this year, that some of that money comes off the sidelines. Because frankly, there were a lot of people last year that did not participate in the, in the incredible year that we had. They sat back and for various reasons, they were nervous about the market, nervous about the economy, so on and so forth. And, um, they just didn't participate, and uh, you know, I'll use Jason's term, the FOMO, fear of missing out. That that is always something we we look at after coming off of a strong year. People don't want that uh, they want that bus leaving the station without them on on board. And so, but at this point, it still hasn't happened, right? I mean, let's go over the the year to date numbers, Corey, and you see my point. Year to date, I mean, here we are now entering into our third trading week of the year. S and P is down one tenth of a percent for the year. Nasdaq's down a half a percent. Dow's down nine tenths of a percent. And the Russell 2000, kind of starting the way last year did, it's down worse than all of them, down by 4.9%. So there hasn't been, you know, a lot of places from a from an index perspective to hide, and that always concerns people. Uh, absolutely, and I think you do get some of that. It'll be interesting to see how this transitions out because everybody's gotten used to, especially the re- people in the retirement age, of wow, I can put away money safe at 4%, mm-hmm. 5%, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And they feel safe, and it probably is the safest place you can be, whereas the market has some inherent risk in it, right? And so Mm -hmm. how low do rates have to get before they say, (laughs) okay, I'm willing to take the risk because I don't want to sit on 1% money? I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see that. The other thing, too, with mortgage rates that I think we should keep an eye on is, remember, the Fed is still doing the quantitative tightening. And so that's why you've had this massive spread in the 10-year um, you know, bond and the 10 year and the 30 year mortgage. So I don't, I mean, you would know better than I do. I don't know if they've talked at all about cutting back on that, but I would assume they if they start cutting back on, okay. 
Yeah, yeah, no. Um, boy, good cast, Corey, because, yeah, this, this was another point. I'm sorry to cut you off. That No, I, I just wanted no. to jump in. You're, you're absolutely right. The, the Wall Street Journal, uh, their insider, he uh, noted that the, I'm just going to read it to you, that the FOMC will start a discussion about slowing the pace of quantitative tightening. Uh, this was echoed by Fed Governor Waller, who said he expects the committee to think about slowing the pace of the balance sheet reduction, which is what we're talking about here, uh, sometime this year. So, yeah, you're, you're spot on on that one. You are spot on. And that that may have a good effect on mortgages, even if the bond market doesn't move much. It'll bring the spread down between the mortgages and the 10-year, which should be beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great job. All right, we come back. I want to hit some of the movers and shakers in today's activity. We'll move things over to the commodity side and continue our discussion and get ready for our local real estate data with Mr. Edge. But first, let's turn it over to Molly Moser in the Right Now Traffic Center. Hey, Molly. Florida First Community Mortgage in spirit with us this evening. All right, here's how we finished a 232 decline on the Dow, 0.62%. We finished at 37,361. NASDAQ lost 28. The S&P gave up 18. So as you just heard, the pressure definitely was on the Dow Jones Industrial side of things. Now, here's what happened. This was another one of those days like we experienced a few times last week where Boeing was at the top of the list. They got a downgrade to an equal weight from an overweight at Wells Fargo. Uh, China indicated they're going to delay the delivery of Boeing 737 MAX jets, according to the Wall Street Journal. And that's all she took in the pre-market when that news came out and the stock was weak then and just never recovered throughout the day. Uh, Boeing finished the day down $17.81, an 8.18% loss to $199.89. Then we had uh, a lot of other earnings reports. We had Home Depot report pretty good numbers. They were upgraded to an overweight. Uh, uh, by uh, Piper Sandler. We had earnings from Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, etc. Goldman Sachs had uh, some pretty good earnings numbers, finished the day in in pretty strong territory, up $2.70, seven-tenths of a percent, gained to $3.80.45. Morgan Stanley down $3.73, 4.2%, lost to $85.97. But, Corey, one of the bright spots, uh, I like seeing this tech holding up. This is one of the the, uh, strong sectors of the day, the Information Technology Group. Uh, We had strength in Microsoft with a $1.80 increase, up a half a percent to 390.27 and Nvidia gaining $16.72, 3.1% to 563.82. Corey, did you get a chance at all uh, to watch CNBC today and and their broadcast from uh, Davos, Switzerland, you know, for that big Davos, you know, annual get together of uh, the muckety mucks over there? Did you see any of those interviews? Yeah. No, just very early this morning. I caught a little bit. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's it, it just fascinating how every conversation. I don't care what seemed like, no matter what inner what what uh, segment of uh, business the CEO uh, was in, the the subject of AI came up, and it, it just absolutely the dominating discussion points over there. And I think that was one of the the fueling factors to Nvidia today with that sixteen dollar and seventy two cent gain. So, yeah, I was just curious if you saw any of that. Um, um, let's see. Let's hit the commodity side. Had a little weakness in oil prices. Another tough weekend uh, uh, with uh, the Red Sea situation. Absolutely shocked. We're not seeing these oil prices skyrocket here. $72.40 is where we finished, down three-tenths of a percent. Uh, gold was a weak one today with a uh, $21.40 pullback at $2,030.20 an ounce. And as I mentioned, a 12 basis point increase on the 10-year Treasury at 4.07%. All right, Mr. Edge, we are caught up to date on the stock market side. Shall we get an early start? Let's do it. All right. Sounds good. How do you want to do this? Do you want to go? What I'm thinking is let's do our uh, November to December, and then let's do our uh, year over year for the uh, entire year of 2023. Sound like a good plan? Sure. Yeah. All right. 
perfect. Okay, let's start with Corey with our uh, our uh, month to month here. So November 2023 to December of 2023, Corey, we had a 2.4 percent increase on the median sales price, 565. And not bad, right? I mean, you figure in the winter months we've talked about the slowdowns. You had rates kind of mixed in there. You had all yeah. this stuff, and everything still held up pretty dang good. And if we had the graphs, we don't have the big graphs here anymore. But if you can imagine, typically what happens in these winter seasons is we start coming down and we hit a kind of a low point in that November, December, early January time. And then we start rebounding after that. But this year it kind of held steady. And I think a lot of it obviously was anticipation of the rates. We saw them coming right. down then. The builders were strong. Everybody's strong. And the lack of the inventory, right? There's just the, the sellers, you know, you can't name the exact price you want, but you can pretty dang get close to it. And, <laughs> you know, there's so few of you out there that somebody's you know, more than likely willing to pay it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what's more fascinating and, and fascinating in a very good sense is how the median price held up on a year-over-year basis. Let's go to uh, December 22 compared to December of 2023, encompassing that whole year. Corey, only down 1.8% on median price. We peaked at 565. Not in, I shouldn't say peak, but we were at 565 December of 2022. As we just said, finished the year at 555, so down 10 grand. Pretty good resiliency, considering again what happened with the interest rate side of things. Absolutely. I mean, again, I, I don't know that looking forward, and I guess we can go back to the shows, but looking forward, I don't know that we would have called that it would have stayed basically the same. And and to give you an idea, the way that number is supposed to work, and I'm pretty sure that's how this report is working, but mm-hmm. that 555 and 565 should be the median for all days of that year. So mm-hmm. it's not taking one month and saying, oh, this is December's number. Not. This should be the median for everything. So if you, right. if that's really how this report is kind of spinning out, then, yeah, it's been incredibly resilient. Just like your market, there's mm-hmm. been ups, there's been downs, there's been this and that. But all that matters is kind of where it ended, and it ended yeah. pretty spot on to where it started. Yeah, it which really is, did. I was shocked pretty, when I saw that. Incredible if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And those those were exactly my words when you sent me the report at six o'clock this morning. I'm like, pretty incredible, pretty incredible to yeah. to to hold up like it did. Again, resiliency. All right, let's squeeze one more in before we go to break, and that is uh, our number of closed sales. This is very important to kind of see the sales activity. So if we go from November to December, uh, closed sales two hundred and seventy three down fifteen and a half percent month over month. And that shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, it, you do have some seasonality built in there, not as much as we would think. Um, but 273, it's just a, the inventory's tight, John. And, and we've talked about it more and more. We don't know what's going to open it up. I think, you know, you hear in some of these news clips now, and you talk about Jackie Rosen and, mm-hmm. you know, Biden and these guys, there are going to be more and more discussion about housing, 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 and affordable housing. And I don't know that any of it will solve the problem, but they're going to start talking about it. But you know, that, that's just a, a low number of sales, and I don't see anything on the near current horizon that's going to change that path right now. Okay, very good. All right, let's go to our uh, December 22 to December of 23. So December of 2022, you had 5,132 closings. I finished the year last year at 4,321, so 5,132 down to 4,321, about a 15.8% decline. That one looks pretty significant there. It is. I mean, and if you think about it, 15% is not a huge number, but it's that's coming off an already low inventory market right. the year before. So it's kind of like our inflation number, right? Like, oh, great. Yeah, we're back down to 3%. Well, nobody's talking about the 40% increase we had prior to that. We're still sitting yeah. at these 
crazy high numbers if you look at it that way. And that's how these numbers kind of equate to is, oh, you're only down 15%. Yeah, but we were down 15% the year before that and probably mm-hmm. 15% the year before that. Um, so it all adds up. And I think maybe what I'll do for next week or on the next report is I'll go back to not even 2019. Maybe I'll try to do some stuff from 2010 through 2019 to give you a better idea of what a normal market number of sales would have been so we can get an actual number of how far down we are. That would be awesome. Explain this real quick before we go to break. Here's something that just popped into my mind. All right, so let's go back to 2022, right? The Fed's aggressively raising uh, interest rates you know, the, 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 uh, in 2021, aggressively raising rates in 2022. We didn't you know, really start pausing a lot until mid part of last year. So we're going to agree 2022 was an interest rate increasing environment. How can you have so many more sales, 5,132, in a aggressive rising interest rate environment versus, you know, like I said, first part of the year, they, you know, they, they kept rates pretty steady. You've got one increase or so uh, of last year and then obviously paused for the rest of the year. So do you, could it be my only uh, deduction of that would be people in 2022 where we had 5,132 closings, we're anticipating like, I better get in here because the Fed's going to continue raising rates forever. Could that be the mindset and why so you had so many closings? Compared to last year? Probably a little bit. And I think if you remember back to the beginning of that, um, everybody thought that, wow, if you start raising these rates, if we get above 4% on a mortgage, <laughs> you know, all heck is going to break loose. And so yeah. I think you had a, a, a decent number of front-loaded sales in the beginning of that year ah. um, that kind of balanced it out. The other part of that, too, just, you know, me thinking and kind of what you've taught us over the years is, Regardless of what the Fed did, the bond market was running crazy. Absolutely. So the Fed yeah. says, oh, yeah, we're going to slow down. Well, the bond market still pushed mortgages up to 8% you mm-hmm. know, just as recently as two months ago. So mm-hmm. it's all kind of a, a weird thing. But I think, you know, we front-loaded that first 22, and then now you're kind of seeing the repercussions come through. And then it's kind of become, you know, I don't want to say the trendy thing, but everybody started talking about, oh, well, if you've got a 2% mortgage, don't ever sell because you never see that again. And I, I bet there was a lot of people that never thought of that until they heard it. And now they're like, oh, <laughs> that's me. Yeah, that's so I'm not going to sell now either. <laughs> that's right. I'm not going to have my friends make fun of me at the at the cocktail party. There's no way. <laughs> exactly, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Fascinating. All right, we'll continue our discussion of our uh, December real estate data here on a local basis with Corey. When we come back, let's turn it over to Molly Moser. She has news, traffic, and weather. Hey, Molly. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH with Corey Edge of Edge Realty, a 232 decline on the Dow, 0.62%. NASDAQ lost 28, S&P gave up 17. But as I mentioned earlier, a lot of that decline of the Dow attributed to the weakness of Boeing, uh, down $17.81 to $199.89. All right, we've begun our discussion on our local real estate data. We're uh, going over November to December's data and then comparing December of 2022 to December of 2023. Pretty interesting to see how these numbers have changed. If you just joined us once again our median price uh, in uh, the month of december here in northern nevada uh, 565,000 up 2.4 percent month over month. Closed sales were 273, down about 15 and a half percent. And now to our next topic: the median days to contract. Corey, <clears throat> November to December up 40.9 percent with 47 days to contract. Now. Remember, folks, median days to contract. This is not a number we want to see rise. We want to see this one go down. This is how long it's taking, again, to uh, to get into contract. Take it from there, Corey. Yeah, and it's kind of counterintuitive, right? You're saying, well, yep. you're telling me it's a super strong market, but it's taking longer <laughs> to sell my house. And 
So here's where kind of the dichotomy part comes in, right? The, these buyers are incredibly educated. They see everything. They see the pictures. They see the pricing. They get Zillow to tell them what it's worth, all that stuff. So they know what houses are worth, you know, generally, right? They have a very good ballpark. In the old days, they would rely on their realtor to tell them, well, they don't need that anymore. They can figure it out on their own. And so what you're seeing is sellers, some sellers, um, a lot of flippers I've noticed lately mm. are putting houses on the market at prices that they're not worth. Okay. And they're sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. Um, I had one four months ago, three or four months ago. My clients loved it. It was great. It was overpriced. We made a very strong offer, not close to their price, close to what it was worth. Mm. They wouldn't even consider it. It's still mm. on the market today for the exact same asking price. Um, so when you start stacking up those kind of houses, you start getting lots of days on market, big, long days on market. Um, And those will skew that number. Um, So that's what's happening is if you're overpriced, you're going to sit there. I don't care how strong the market is. These buyers are too educated to pay you more than what a house is worth these days. So if your house is still on the market and not moving and you're not sure why, it's it's because you're overpriced. I mean, you just have (laughs) to say that a million times. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay, very good. Let's look at uh, the entire year of uh, 2023. So the median days to contract, to your point, only 22. And uh, so that was, uh, again, 2022 to 2023, the average was uh, 22 days to contract, up 57%. Now, if you go back to 2022, our average days to contract, only 14 Versus again Correct. the twenty two, so boy, fourteen <laughs> compared fourteen to forty seven, yeah, significant for those reasons you mentioned. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and I think too, there. if we were to if we were to break this down into half years, you'd probably see a really, really, really strong market, good numbers, you know, low days to contract in the first half of twenty two, mm-hmm. and then things started slowing down from there. So, um, but that that's what you're seeing. You've got certain properties that are taking longer to sell, and it'll skew those numbers a little bit, um, and rightly so. I mean, that just it yeah. just tells you what's happening in the market. You know, I was thinking about this. Your market, our market, we can say the overall economy. If you think about it, Corey, we really haven't had any normalcy in a number of years, right? We we had. Mm-hmm. Up until the pre-pandemic, things were relatively normal. Then we had the pandemic, and and then the aftermath of the pandemic, and then we had the Fed. Of course, uh, we had all the stimulus money that people, you know, supposedly received, and then you had the Fed just reverse things and wipe all that out with aggressive interest rate increases, and then you got pauses, and, and now we're into this year trying to you know bring it all together. So yeah, it's it's it fascinating again to go back where this real estate market was in 2022, and then you go to 2023, and now this year. And, and yeah, man, significant changes, significant changes. Well, oh, it's yeah, really cool if you think about it, sure. you know, not to go back too far, but, you know, go back 20 years, right? Go back to 2003, four or five, where the market's right. just kind of a steady climber, nothing too crazy. Then you get into all the free money and free loans and anybody qualifies and you see this massive ramp up then the dump down. And then you get into the Fed. Now, you know, we really haven't had a normalized market, I'd say, yeah. for at least 17 or 18 years because it's all influenced by cheap money or expensive money. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't go back far enough you know, that you said that. It's true. All right, let's go to our list price received. Uh, November to December, uh, 97.9%. Uh, that was literally unchanged. Explain that one. It, again, it's just the way the, the numbers skew. By the time the offers come in, and you get something in the contract, that property may have already gone through some price decreases. And so, as I mentioned, these buyers are very sharp. 
once you get that house to the price that it should be at, they will pay you that money or they'll pay you, you know, obviously within two to three percent of that money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's different than it used to be. If you haven't been in a, the real estate market for, I don't know, I'll call it 20 years, 25 years, the old theory was, well, if you're asking 500, you'd probably take 425. Like we're going to go right. back and forth, back and forth. The way it works now is you're you're looking for properties that are priced right, and if it matches everything you need and you think it's priced right, you will happily pay them what they're asking because that's just the market's efficient now. If that makes sense, is that because again we have technology as a buyer, we have technology at our fingertips that enables us to be more educated, knowledgeable, et cetera. Absolutely, yeah. The buyer's okay. way more educated now. They can see pricing bands. They can see how things are moving. I have clients, I have a couple clients right now who who have not been in the buyer's market for, I would say, at least 22, 23 years. And it's funny because I'll get some texts and be like, oh, I like this house. They want 800. Do you think they'll, they'll uh, take 650? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not, it doesn't work that way anymore. Like, that's yeah, it's the old days, yeah. Now they'll yeah. take 800 if it's worth 800. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. All right. Let's, uh, okay. So we said 97.9% of the list prices received November to December. Let's go back uh, and compare uh, 2023 to 2022 and our list price, not much changed 98.5% because again, 2022 is a little bit hotter market, right? Yeah. And it's the other thing too. I think the other side of that coin, the buyers are a lot uh, more educated. They can see things, but the sellers can too, right? So if I come to you as a seller, in the old days, you just had to take my word on it. And hopefully I knew what I was talking about because you had no access to any data to give you any idea what that house was worth. Now you can look at Zillow and you can look at everything else and see, you know, if I come into you with some crazy listener, you be like, no, no, no. I've done my research. So here's what this one says and this one says and this one. And, and so, again, I think it's just gotten a lot more efficient on both sides of the metric to figure out the value of these things. And and now we can just haggle over maybe 5% instead of 20%, if that makes right. sense. Right. We probably don't need to spend a lot of time on this one. Not much change. Uh, November to December, our medium uh, sold dollar, uh, price per square foot, $303. You compare that to a year ago, $300. So I was surprised on that one with, again, uh, the the influence of inflation. You know, whether we're talking uh, you know, the cost of lumber, whatever it may be, I was surprised at that. Actually, not much of an increase on our price per, uh, per foot. No, no. It stays pretty steady. It would be interesting to see... I don't know if I could pull the data. Dwight might have better access to it. But if you could see a price per square foot, maybe on new construction, I bet there'd be mm-hmm. some bigger bumps in there because right, of what they have what to thinking. do to account for right. for all the inflation. Yep. All right, let's hit this one before we go to break. Uh, new listings, November to December, only 202, down 26.8%. Oof. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's the dagger in the heart right there. There's just nothing coming on the market. We should be... For December, we should be at the bottom of that inventory, if that makes sense. So with any luck, we'll start to see it increase a little bit in January, then February, then in March, Mm -hmm. slowly ramp back up to our summer selling season. Um, But 202 new listings, I mean, again, I'll try to do a more comprehensive report that takes us back a decade so we know what real numbers are, (laughs) but that's a... Just trust me, that's a low number. It is. And, and if we look at, again, 2022 to 2023, listen to this number, folks. Uh, 2022, for the entire year, you had 6,641 new listings. Last year, you only had 4,951, a decrease of 25.4%. So that's 25%. really... 
Yeah, really a deceleration in, in uh, uh, what's out there. <laughs> I mean, and, and remember, too, that goes to 22. We were talking about low inventory yes. in 21. We yeah, were talking about right. low inventory in 20. So those are those are numbers compiling, you know, compounding on themselves. Yep, that's right. All right, we come back. We'll wrap up with uh, how many homes are available out there right now. And also, what's our month's supply of inventory with Corey Edge of Edge Realty? Let's wrap it up with Molly Moser in the Right Now Traffic Center. Hey, Molly. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH with Corey Edge of Edge Realty. Mr. Edge, can we get your phone number, sir? 673-6700. Thank you. Dwight Millard, First Community Mortgage, 240-2022. All right, uh, we've... Boy, we're right on schedule for once, Corey. This is good. Must be Millard that throws this off, right? You can blame him. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, let's get to our last two categories, Corey. Active inventory and month's supply of inventory. So our active inventory for the month of December, 605 units, down 18.6% compared to November. Compared to November and down 32% compared to last December. So, right. again, it just kind of tells the whole story, right? There's... There's fewer people putting their houses on, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I can go over all the details again, but none of it has really changed. I think the only bright light is if you can bring down some of these building costs, if you can open up some of the land, I'll start seeing more houses being built from the new builders. And I do think at some point, you know, I, I've said it before, I think you can only hold back this amount of home equity for so long before people are going to want to tap it. And right now they looks like, they're starting to tap it through refinances, but I also think you're going to start seeing some people want to tap it through selling um, and take their gains and move yep. on. So, yep. you know, we, we may see some relief in that department just because of that. I know this is probably more of a Dwight question. But I'm going to throw it at you anyway, since he's not here tonight. What do you hear those that do want to tap their equity? What do you hear that they're going to do with it? Are they going to, are they going to go buy more real estate? They're going to buy toys. They're going to pay off debt. What, is there any, like maybe the top two or three things you hear from them? My guess is, and I don't know for sure, Dwight would know, but my guess is pay off debt. I mean, it's interesting that you have the highest level of home equity ever and you have the highest level of credit card debt yes. ever. You know That's what right. I mean? Like right. those two don't seem to jive. So I'm assuming they're going to pay off some debt. And then as much as everybody says, well, I'm, I'm not going to do anything but invest it. They're mm -hmm. going to buy boats. They're going to buy stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just kind of, you know, we're in a Human consumption of society, right? Right. Exactly. Um, I think it starts with the best intentions, and hopefully most of it stays with those intentions. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay, real quickly, 10 seconds, wrap us up. Month supply of inventory, 2.2 months. Great. Yeah, two months. That's all we have. And, again, this will get better <laughs> as we get into summer, but right now we're at the low point. Perfect. Great job, Corey. Such fascinating data. So let's keep our fingers crossed that 2024 is going to be a strong year for all of you in real estate. We'll see you, buddy. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We'll do it again tomorrow night on the John Sanchez Show. God bless. Have a great evening. This program was sponsored by Sanchez Wealth Management. The material in this program was intended as general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information on this broadcast was intended to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Further information is available by contacting John at SanchezWealthManagement.com or 775-800-1801. John Sanchez offers securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker 
broker-dealer and investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Securities only offered in states John Sanchez is registered in. First Community Mortgage Sanchez Wealth Management LLC and Independent Financial Group LLC are unaffiliated entities. Dwight Millard is not associated with Sanchez Wealth Management LLC or Independent Financial Group LLC. First Community Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 629700. Dwight Millard co-host NMLS number 241259. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.